This evening's uh, Dharma talk is titled Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. This was suggested by a friend of mine up in Minneapolis by the name of Eric. I won't give you his last name. That way you can't track him. You can't track him down. Overwhelmed. It's a good. It's a good. Uh, Topic. It's an interesting word. We all use that on occasion. Feel so overwhelmed. So that probably comes with each person. That's going to be a different level of distress, a different level of frustration, a different level of, you could say, helplessness. And of course, there are ways that uh, you look around. There's apps to cover everything. YouTube and everything else will help you to deal with it. yoga, tai chi. Just on and on and on, and not incorrect. They're, they're, they may and they may not work, depending on what your situation is that makes you feel uh, so uh, in a way that you would even use such a word as overwhelmed. Is there any? Is there a word called whelmed? <laughs> I'm just whelmed. Yeah. No big deal. Underwhelmed. So overwhelmed. I don't know. I didn't look up. Uh, what that was about. So uh, there's a relative way of actually approaching that to what to cover it up. Uh, sometimes that's that's uh, a, an approach that could be workable. Uh, there's the approach of uh, taking that anxiety or that difficulty and finding some other way to harness it or express it or find some kind of a, a vent where we can get rid of it. And again, I'm not saying that those, any of those ways are incorrect or inappropriate. But from the point of view of this practice, this uh, teaching, where we're working with strengthening the awareness to see fundamentally what is true, you may not want to cover that up. This doesn't mean at all that this is going to be easier by looking at it. So um, the, the main... Uh, Difficulty happens when we have an intense feeling anxiety, being overwhelmed, being overtaken by maybe circumstances. You could feel overwhelmed when not much at all is happening, just uh, some kind of anxiety. But if the situation you're in is bringing about some kind of intense uh, amount of energy that's coming towards you, that you're feeling you're reacting to, or you're feeling is upsetting you, or wearing you out, causing you to go in circles. Then, from the point of view of uh, awareness practice, the way to work with that is not so much to grapple with that or try to push it down or try to get rid of it or try to explain it or any kind of manipulation on it, but rather to see fundamentally what it is. And that's difficult because the thinking mind wants to do something. We want to find out what caused it, uh, we would even say as soon as we begin to feel overwhelmed, we immediately come up with additional discursive elaborations around what that is. Why am I doing this? Why am I feeling this way? Why can't, get, I get, why can't I get rid of this? Here I go again. Oh, no. Here it is again. And so on. So what's being recommended from the point of view of an awareness practice, if in fact you're doing an awareness practice, which I highly recommend, which means sit down and watch what moves. You might say, well, aren't we doing that all the time? 
not actually. What we're doing is we're, whatever's moving, thought patterns, emotions, ideas, feelings, all the six sense fields, sound, smell, taste, touch, where we're receiving, uh, in the thought process, we're actually producing. We're not only receiving what's happening, we have a comment on everything. And we do it all day long, overwhelmed or not. We're always commenting on everything that's arising. Everything that comes towards us, another person, a situation, an idea, co-workers, family, friends, so on. Very difficult to look at something and just receive what is in front of you without some kind of politics going on. Some kind of, I don't like it, I like it, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be there, it should be there, I'm so glad this happened. I feel so bad that this has happened. What did I do to cause this? The constant commentary around what occurs. So the awareness practice of meditation is about seeing fundamentally, clearly, what it is without necessarily adding to it. And if you are adding to it, then it's also as a practice, as the path quality of meditation practice is seeing the way in which you keep adding. It's not about stopping the adding, although that might be the instruction initially just to get your awareness to look at the way you continue to make up stuff around anything that occurs. Seeing something in its uh, clear, uh, to use the fancy word, pristine nature is very, very unusual for human beings. We gossip about everything. In here and out there. <clears throat> so the process seems to be to get more clarity around this and to deal with being overwhelmed, being upset, being anxious, uh, and this even goes in the other direction of being depressed. Not that you can't take medication for depression. Of course you can. And that may be all you'd have to do. Maybe you just need to walk more, take dancing lessons. <clears throat> play chess. You won a chess game by accident, right? Yeah. It's the best way to do it. <clears throat> it just happened to show up when I thought of, how are these people wasting time here? <laughs> so the idea would be, the recommendation would be, if someone is feeling overwhelmed, feeling anxious, feeling upset, feeling put upon by the things out here or the things that are rising inside or our own emotions and reactions, uh, what seems to be necessary to do from how I understand it and how I have been taught is to just receive. Whatever happens, receive. Whatever shows up, give it your attention. Give everything your attention. It's possible to give everything your attention without adding anything to it. Like when this gentleman got up to leave, uh, do you think I added anything to it? Yeah, I did. I said, where's he going? <laughs> and then the next thing I say, oh, he's getting a chair. So it's not about 
not doing that. It's about being very aware of what is happening in your brain pan, in your, in your awareness as it comes and goes. If you practice doing that, then you will see more and more how you continually continue to fuel the circularity that we call delusion, confusion, anxiety, and everything, because everything wants to get on board. So the basic idea is that I say often, don't add, don't do the math, don't do any math. And when I say that, I'm also very aware that the first thing we do is add on to everything. But if you reflect on the way in which something occurs and we put something on top of it, that's actually the foundation for being overwhelmed. Because it works fine as long as there's nothing, as long as everything is just whelmed. It's just this. That's happened and there's a butter my toast and look out the window and what the hell's the neighbors doing now? That kind of stuff. Notice I didn't add. Just a question. So if we train ourselves to watch what's moving, watch what's moving, then when we do get into a situation where we're being put upon, we're being uh, over, we get an emotional tsunami coming out of, as a, a common way of saying it, out of left field, out of nowhere, and we're overwhelmed by whatever it may be, either it has content or it doesn't have any content. It's just difficult feelings all of a sudden, without any apparent source. Through uh, and here I go into. My, uh, my bias, which is train your mind. Train the raw part of the mind where thoughts uh, uh, don't necessarily have any longevity. Train the awareness so that thoughts can come in and they also can just as easily go. Because when thoughts come in, we tend to do something with them. If you, if you object to it, if you agree with it, and if you ignore it, it's going to spin right in, spot, in that spot right there and continue to go around and possibly give you more grief than you wish to have. But if you don't do anything but just watch it come, watch what moves, then it comes and it goes. It's astonishing. If you've been doing this all of your life and been stuck on your thought patterns, pardon me, fixated on something, fixated, and then you can't shake away, you, you think, I don't want to think, I don't want that, I don't want that emotion, I don't like that, I don't like it. That very activity causes it to spin. <clears throat> don't believe a word I say. Find out for yourself. This is not about believing anything. If you believe something, anything, you'll suffer. Because the very idea of the very act of believing something is extra. If something has happened, happening, and it's uh, relatively true, it doesn't matter if you believe it or not. <clears throat> so by sitting down, uh, the, the, and watching, uh, being very, very, uh, having a very fundamental approach to how to work with the mind, which is just to observe what comes and goes. Watch the thoughts that come, the thoughts that go, they come and they go and they come and they go. Don't accept them, don't reject them, and don't look away. And that, and that, in that way, the awareness or that area of the consciousness that is a, like an open space, it's like, a, it's like an open sky, your allegiance or your, your awareness starts to change its allegiance from that which arises in that space, like being attached to clouds, you know, starts to change its allegiance over from 
the movement of the clouds, the emotions, the memories, the ideas, the hopes, the fears, from that over to the space in which that occurs. Nothing happens in that space. If you think it does, you'll suffer. And you may not suffer a lot. You may suffer just a little bit. So what seems to happen there when we start to get a little upset about something that somebody said or something that's happening or something we're afraid of something's going to, something that's going to happen, the initial first thought, first feeling, first emotion is just, it's natural. It's part of being a living being. It's part of uh, living in a three-dimensional apparent world of cause and effect, relative truth. It's when we tack something onto it, extra. It shouldn't be that way. It's because they said this, they did this, somebody else did this, somebody caused this. I wouldn't be feeling this way if they hadn't said that, done that, whatever. So the two words that I want to um, use right at this moment about this is don't produce, just receive. Don't produce anything. And by saying that, what happens is the awareness that that uh, that um, that dynamic of the awareness that is able to observe starts to watch the way you keep making things up or producing. It goes uh, it goes un, uh, unobserved if one if you believe your thoughts or disbelieve your thoughts or reject your thoughts or ignore your thoughts that will go unobserved and, there, and the spinning will continue to go around and you'll think there's just one thing happening. You're overwhelmed. And it might have content, it might have, uh, you just lost your job, you have bills to pay, you have them all spread all over the, the dining room table and you're, you're just lost. Um, in my case, that would just happen to my wife, you know, because I don't, I don't do numbers at all. So by watching the way we add, it seems like there's something about that where you don't have to do anything about it. If I say don't add, then we see the way we add, and then we actually see the way we fuel that. We actually start to, to use the literal metaphor. We actually see the fuel lines running to that. And there seems to be a way, and it's different with each person, where we can just back off on the energy that we're, we are fueling that with. Less is better. <clears throat> so what we're doing when we're when we're just giving that feeling of being overwhelmed our attention, when we're just looking at that and we're not adding anything, we're not blaming anybody, we're not blaming blaming ourselves, even though there's something right in front of us causing that. If there's someone right in front of you that is causing the overwhelm and you blame them, it's not that it's not relatively true. Of course it is. They're giving you a hard time. But if you do that, it tends to become circular. So how do, you, how do we work with that? Well, what I'm saying here is just watch the way you add. Just watch the way you have a commentary, just to watch the finger coming out of your awareness into somebody else's causing this. You know, that's a way, if you notice that, if you, if you can blame somebody, especially if, it's just, if everybody else says, yeah, 
people are treating you terrible. That's a terrible situation you're in, especially if you have a lot of uh, people in the bleachers. Oh, my God, I don't know how you put up with that. You should get a divorce. You can't divorce your dad. <laughs> Apparently, I'm reach, reaching all age levels. <laughs> But what you can do in any given situation where there seems to be an apparent cause, which could be relatively true, but it's your feeling. You're the one who's having the feeling. You're the one who's having the reactions. Your feelings. So rather than go out here uh, and after you receive this, rather than go out there and blame that, which is which is the expression part. Of it, don't express it. Something happens. It's obvious. It's the cause and effect is happening, so it isn't like you're turning away from that or denying it. But if you take your energy and go out towards the situation, this is how this is what the very nature of warfare. To fight with that which is coming after you or attacking you. So don't receive, but don't necessarily express or go beyond that. Even in your own mind, don't necessarily go into any kind of a of a of a a commentary or an elaboration on what's happening. Well, if they hadn't done this, well, if they would just, if this would just settle down, if they just stop. From the point of view of uh, Buddhism, this is a Dharma gate. This is a place where this is a kind of material that you per, you need to work with. You're giving me permission to even talk to you at all, in order to transcend the polarity we call uh, overwhelming. Something is overwhelming, very difficult to do, and everyone has their own karma, their own body, speech, mind complex. Their own. Some people have more difficulty with depression. Some people don't even know what that is. All they know is they get angry all the time. They're not too far apart. Passion, aggression, ignorance. So another thing that you can do, and there's no, you know, there's, there's no protocol for. If I were going to give a protocol for how to deal with this, I would say train your mind. Sit down, hold still, and watch that which gets overwhelmed. Don't necessarily try to not be overwhelmed. That's You might as well be going into a, a constant carnival or circus or where everything rotates. So something you can do to help uh, as a, uh, help ground you so that you can see more clearly the way in which you continue to make that wheel spin is to, is to go to something that is fundamentally true and that is fundamentally not moving and is not making up stuff. How this feels. How this looks. Not, not the name of this, not the description, but the color, the shape, the texture. How this sounds actually listen to a sound without really knowing what it is. As soon as you hear something and as soon as you name it, you actually have separated yourself from that. And it's not about not doing that. Again, coming back to the same thing I said originally, it's about being aware that you're doing it. It's always about awareness. It's never about success and failure. That's a misunderstanding that's, that the world is a con completely contaminated with everywhere. Yes, sir? If we're able to um, receive something in one of the senses without um, knowing what it is, um, are we still able to respond? Like I, that 
that bench fell, or that's what the sound was, and then there's a response. How do you radiation. know it's a bench? I guess that's the question: is can you respond without knowing what's occurring? You you might be able to respond even more accurately by knowing what it, by not knowing what what it actually was or caused. So there's no guarantee if you're speculating, if you're guessing at what it is. More? Um, I'm just wondering if you could say more how you mean that you might be able to respond, respond better if you don't know what it is. I don't know. How's that? Let me come back to that. Uh, hang on to that. Uh, let me uh, let that uh, set off and uh, stand off in the wings for a while. So as a protocol, uh, where I was originally going, until you so rudely interrupted me with that question, I was going to say, go to go to something that's that you that is has some stability to it. How how your how your butt feels on the chair or on the cushion. How your how your hands feel uh, together. The colors of things. Very simple things without adding on and go le abandoning those things and going into the description of the name. The commentary about it. Just that, just that. How this looks, how this looks, how uh, sounds, even thoughts. Uh, as my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, used to say, first thought, best thought. I don't know if he was actually talking about thoughts. I'm not sure. I never checked with him on that. But it's just a base, the basic first thing that appears is if anything is trustworthy at all, which is doubtful. That's probably closer to the uh, more accurate than some kind of speculation about that or abandoning that to go into some idea about that. I'm ready to answer your question. Yes. Did I answer it? <laughs> more? I was just contemplating the situation, and I'm wondering if the response precedes the thoughts, but do they occur so quickly that we attribute the response to the thoughts? Probably so. So where I was going with that is uh, when I say yes, I'm saying that the, the elaboration about what you hear uh, may be accurate. It's like whether there's smoke, there's fire, that kind of thing. But it also uh, is, it conditions us to relate to things in a relative way. So it's not that we shouldn't do that, but it's about being very aware that you're responding to something that you, you, you are speculating on, rather than something that's actually the case. When we respond, um, not out of our speculation, is there somewhere where that response arises from? I think it's more environmental. I mean, I'm not saying it's not happening within this whole consciousness, this whole sensorium, but it's it's probably more you're more with the environment rather than, than naming it or solidifying it or speculating about it or valuing one thing and devaluing something else. That was a good example, though the the, the bench falling over. Is that what happened? So you're right. And here I thought it was a roof caving in. 
somebody hitting a drum somewhere. So it seems to be important, uh, especially if you're a meditator, if you if you spend some time, difficult to do this unless you're a meditator, difficult to do it uh, just as some kind of intellectual activity. But if you're training your mind, you're sitting down holding still and you're watching the thoughts come and go, come and go, come and go, and your, your allegiance uh, begins to switch over from the objects that are arising over to the space in which they occur, to put uh, make it a simple metaphor. You're not abandoning the thoughts, it's just that you're the, you could use the word objectivity, or you're kind of depersonalizing that. And it's interesting thing about depersonalizing, depersonalizing something, it can feel even more personal because you're not adding any kind of propaganda commentary or elaboration to it. So it can feel more intense. Very, very uh, confusing, can be. But using, let's say you're in a situation where you're using that, that word overwhelmed, uh, that it seems to be very important, especially if you're a, a meditator, uh, very important to, to flash on the, the sense fields as, as they arise in their simplicity. Red tabletop. You don't name it red, you just know you're in the middle of the situation. Uh, you see branches, the wind's blowing outside, see green branches moving. And just flash, don't, don't stay there. Don't fix on anything, but just flash on, on everything else in the environment. At the same time, don't abandon the overwhelm. The overwhelm gets included. It gets received. You receive the overwhelm. If you do anything with the, over, with the overwhelm or whatever we're calling that, if you do anything with it, the slightest modification or putting a little, uh, uh, little coat on it, a little hat on it to make it a little bit more acceptable will not work. When I say not work, I'm saying it, it won't. It won't. Uh, it, it will just increase the energy of that of that uh, uh, that difficulty or that stress or that uh, anxiety or that pain because it starts to rotate and come back and around. And it's just like uh, walking up to a, a tilde whirl. You know what a tilde whirl is? Yeah. You don't get too close. So it's that kind of a circularity that, that just magnetizes us and takes us right in uh, to that. So how do we keep our distance, to use that kind of a, uh, uh, image? Stay in your body. Stay. You know, if you're going to trust anything, trust how this feels. And I'm not saying that that overwhelm might not be all about how the body feels. But lucky you. You actually have something to relate to that is actually in your feeling situation rather than just a mental process, which is even more uh, difficult because so much paranoia happens in that area. So this is usually where the where the the anxiety comes here and the paranoia comes up here, and uh, and seeing actually what is true is here. It's not even here, but we have to point to something, and this seems to work better than pointing over there. I don't get too romantic here. Questions? Shoto. You talked about depersonalizing. I'm wondering, is there, um, is there a practice of depersonalizing that's not just a, an intellectual endeavor? What do you mean? For me, when I think of that, I think of like, something arises and then I just flash on some, a concept like the five skandhas and, and can kind of pick it apart to see that that's not really 
what's happening. That can work. Uh, that can work a little bit, but just go through it one time. One time, don't don't labor. Don't belabor. I think it's the word. It's just like, just one time seems to work okay to flash on that. Like saying, like looking at things, using the the teaching, teach, uh, Buddhist teaching of uh, dependent origination, to see things are, are confusing and and, uh, and flash on everything is dependently arisen. Once there, there's not a sing, uh, there's not a separate solid separate situation anywhere. Everything that looks like it has its own individuality or identity is. Uh, uh, it's, it's not true. It's dependent on everything else for its apparent identity or singularity or uh, or what else, whatever else I was going to say. Yes. Is there a depersonalizing that's deeper than just flashing on one of those? Yeah. What is that? Don't think about it. I got a smile from somebody. <laughs> Several of them. Don't think about it. When I say don't think about it, I'm not saying push it away, but I'm saying don't don't fuel the thought process. Thought thought process looks like an escape because that's where the the your your ego, your self centeredness, your narcissism gets no support from from how the ground feels uh, uh, under your bare feet. Gets no support from that. You would think it would, but it gets nothing from it because that that is no separation. That is. That is that. That's why. Uh, well, that's why. More. Yeah. Go ahead. Does that uh, the example you use with feeling the ground underneath your feet? Does that become self-centered when we start to relate to it in terms of somebody feeling that? It doesn't matter. I mean, it might, but it doesn't matter. Keep going, there's more there. Why doesn't it matter? What does it mean to not matter? <laughs> it means that, that to, to not belabor. You, you know, it comes up once, you look at it, and don't, don't start to wring it dry, trying to get some kind of uh, reference point out of it that, that will help you be rid of your overwhelm. Be overwhelmed. Uh, actually, if you're actually relating to that uh, appropriately, the, the name overwhelm won't even come up. You, you won't name it anything. If you're, if you're naming it something, then that's, that's a way of distancing yourself from it, which may feel better relative for a short period of time, but it doesn't deal with the fundamental situation which is coming out of ignorance, passion, aggression, and ignorance. And that's what has to be understood. At least that's how it looks here. We have to actually have a willingness to be overwhelmed, to, to be what the word overwhelm is pointing to. Other questions? Junchu. When an intense emotion arises that we could call being overwhelmed, um, when that arises for me, that seems to obstruct the functioning. Just how it yep. looks, it feels like I can't function within yeah, that. Yes, I, I follow you. Can't uh, function. In Susan Segal's book, she talks about 
Pardon me? In Susan Segal's book, yes. she talks about um, how functioning functions, thinking thinks, and you've said the same thing, seeing sees similar situations. And looking at you, it seems like emotions don't obstruct the functioning. So what is the difference in those situations? What Susan Segal didn't have a teacher. And she's a spontaneous realizer. She she got dumped on by reality. She's standing waiting for you're talking about her, right? Susan Segal. She's standing waiting for a bus, and all of a sudden, her personal identity drops away. In her situation and in yours, it seems like um, emotions can come up, and they don't obstruct the functioning. Yes. So. What's happening when it looks like my emotions obstruct my functioning? Awareness. That's awareness. It's like, it's like, only descriptively, this is not a judgment. It's like you're a half-baked muffin. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. What I'm saying here is that just keep going. I mean, you're actually what I'm hearing. It might feel negative to you, but it's uh, but it's positive to me to hear you talk that way about how you're working with your negativity because you you have to feel the negativity to push it away. I mean, there's so many ways. We can use drugs. We can use yoga. We can use um, we can use uh, uh, sports, or we can use uh, um, some kind of distraction. And it's not that that won't any of those things won't might not might work temporarily or for a while, or maybe even for years, but you're not going to live forever. And eventually this body-mind that we're so enamored of is going down, not particularly being negative or nihilistic, just, it's just true. It's going down. So uh, that's why I say, find out what this is and who you are before this goes back into the elements. And that's what you're doing. And what, what, what I'm hearing, and I know you pretty well, doing exactly what you need to do. I'm not saying it's going to particularly feel good and feel like some kind of a successful thing that you're doing. Is there a point where emotions don't obstruct functioning? Yes. Where is that? When you see there is no one having emotions. There is no solid... The emotions become even more strong. Because there's nobody to get in the way. Nobody is uh, deciding. There's no being called me, myself, and mine that is that is believed in or are attached to that has some kind of agenda about emotions or no emotions. And so, therefore, there's a there's an open flow there. It's like living in a in a house with uh, all the doors and windows open, and you look around to see who's there, and there isn't anybody there, and you don't mind. Just enjoy the weather. Go ahead. Can you practice functioning from a place that's not so self-centered? You can, but first you you need to practice uh, being aware of the self-centeredness. We tend to, if we start to get a little clue that we're being egotistical, or being self-centered or narcissistic will even criticize. I can't do that. That's too self-centered. Or someone else might say or might think they're very self-centered. 
the people who are, who are self-centered, uh, really self-centered, are the ones that don't even know it. You must have noticed. The people who, are, who know about self-centeredness uh, might not appear that way at all, even though they, they have feelings that they're self-centered. It's just a matter of having someone tell you, please, go down into that, be self-centered, go, go in, not out. Receive. Don't produce. Except in my case, I get to produce for another 15 minutes. Then I'll shut up. More? Good, good question. Further questions? Hold on. When you were um, walking that way, and you didn't know that he was going to turn and go get the chair, yeah. and did you did, did a thought come up like you said, "Where is he going?" Or yeah. did you think he might leave? That's what I was just saying. Uh, I said, where, "Where is he going?" So, so that production was spontaneous. That was that production. Very good question. That production was relative to what what I saw happening. But there was nothing. There was nothing extra beyond that. More questions. Go. So, so come and get me. So if that spontaneously comes up, even if you're aware of it, let's say spontaneously a story about it came yeah. up. Yes. Would that naturally condition the next thing that comes up as far as what you might do? No. Good question. I'm proud of you. That's not a compliment. <laughs> oh. I don't really compliment people too much, do I? Good question, though. There's, it's, there's nothing, the initial thing that occurs is just that. There's nothing extra. More about that? It's a good one. So what isn't an initial thing? What? What is not an initial thing? What is not an initial thing? Sleep. I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, in the very next moment, the thing that arises, maybe relatively in relation to what's been going on, is another spontaneous thing. Okay. What's the question? So if you see, if you're observing that that's what's arising in mind, might it still um, choicelessly progress into something that's habitual? Good. What about just observing will stop the tendency for harm? Paraphrase your question. What is the benefit of just observing? You find out what is true beyond your ideas about it. More? How can you see beyond your ideas if you're seeing your ideas at the same time? There isn't any other way to do it. Bingo. Is that a name of a dog? (laughs) 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 
coming. So you have to you have to be with whatever's tumbling out of your mind or going this way or it doesn't matter. When I say don't don't uh, express or don't add, I, I know we can't help do that. So by saying that, then we become more aware of how much we keep adding on to everything instead of just letting it be what it is. You could say it that way because you can't really let it be what it is because you really don't have any say-so over it. More? You have to get to the point of being overwhelmed rather than let it be. Only if you're Eric. Can you let it be without being overwhelmed? What? Can you let it be without being overwhelmed? So it's not so much letting it be, it's seeing the way we keep trying to change or modify things. We keep having some kind of, uh, of uh, uh, requirements. We set up standards, very subtle standards about anything that's arising. That, and that's just a very uh, subtle way of judging things. I guess my question was letting it, it seems like let it be. You can't really do uh, that. That's the Beatles. You don't do that. You can't do that on the first. That's the lot. 60s. Huh? They say it a bunch of times. I said it a bunch of times? No. Are you accusing me of something? <laughs> no, the Beatles said it. In the song, it says it a lot of times. Oh. This is getting off track. <laughs> Can you let it be? It seems like when you talk the way you talk or the way you teach, you can't let it be on purpose. It wouldn't. It's not that easy. You can't just say, "Okay, I'm going to let go." Or the only way you can let it be is to hang on. You have to see the way you're, what you're hanging on. If you don't, if you don't see intimately the way in which you cling to something out of fear, if you don't see that then you will, you will let go of it intellectually or conceptually, but not radically. Radical meaning root. You won't let go at the root. In order to let go at the root, you've got to look at the root. And if you look at the root, you don't even have to do anything because it's so obvious, uh, to put it in a, a, a straightforward uh, uh, description, it's so obvious you shouldn't hang on. It's like seeing a snake. Why would I hang on to a snake? So you don't have to... Oh, see, this is a confusion, so I think I better let go of that. That's a story about me, 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 and my stuff, and my success story. Rotates. It's called samsara, the wheel of life and death, success and failure. Go ahead. I already answered it. Huh? You already answered it. I did? Yeah, before I asked it. Well, that's... I'm just getting better and better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. So, when you're overwhelmed... I'm trying to kind of understand what you're saying, and I think I get what it is. Um, are you saying like recognize it, feel it, accept it, and like just know that there are some things that are beyond your control, and just try to push forward? No. Okay. <laughs> not saying that. I'm not saying that what that what you're. What you're talking about there has has a quality. It resonates a little bit with what I'm saying, but what I'm saying is more direct than that. What you're saying there is uh, what you're the way you're describing it is a kind of way that we tend to think about it, and that's why we get caught in the circularity. Is because once you treat it like that, uh, you're doing it out of your conceptual mind, your thinking mind, which follows that track to some extent, but it doesn't follow it fundamentally. And what doesn't it see fundamentally? that there is no one that's doing that. 
It thinks there's somebody who can give things up, somebody who can get better, somebody who can feel better, somebody who can win, somebody who can live and die. This is an illusion. So this is why the sitting practice of meditation, whether you're a Buddhist or not, makes no difference. Sit down, train your mind, see what's true for yourself. You don't have to listen to me, you don't have to listen to anyone. Find out, find out who you are. Find out who you are without a doubt. Certainty. Further questions? Questions? So the awareness is basically the only way that we can actually identify anything. So, uh, I tend to be kind of biased. I've been doing this for a while, so I'm not saying it's the only way. I don't know. There, there, there could be other ways. I think if we were able to talk to aliens, there's probably some aliens that could help us out. <laughs> <laughs> they probably know more than we do. So, uh, but, I, you know, I don't really know. I'm not just uh, joking about it. I'm saying that we don't really know for sure, but that's all I know, having been around for a while and having had a lot of difficulty with my mind, with the world, with relationships. You know, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm I, I, very lucky to have stumbled into this, uh, into my teacher back in the early 70s and, and, and had someone tell me what I could do, not just medicate me or uh, take me through some other, some kind of loop-to-loop. So I'm not, I'm not saying that this is, a, this is the only way or that you couldn't find another way. Maybe you can. I don't know. But I know that this is a, the thing that seems to have some value about this is it's your body, your mind, insofar as it's anybody's, sit down, hold still, and train your mind so you can see clearly, so you know what is true and what is not true here, here, right here. It can be done. Uh, you said the only, only real way to let be is to hold on. If what we're holding on to starts to dissolve, how can we realize that happening without making up a story about, oh, well, that used to be a problem and now it's not anymore? Just watch the story. Don't stop the story. Don't, don't, don't uh, necessarily go into any kind of control thing or, or trying to get some kind of paperwork that proves that you let go. Just let it go. It's, uh, the actual, if you want to use the word letting go, actual letting go is not caring whether you're hanging on or letting go. You're not concerned because there's no solid being who's any longer concerned with anything, particularly. At the same time, there is uh, a consciousness or awareness that is uh, intimately uh, connected with everyone, and it comes from here. If, if this, if when once this starts to, this is a kind of thinking that isn't about thought patterns. So you would watch the way you hung on, and if it started to dissolve, then you know. Just, it would just dissolve. It's like ice melting. It would just, uh, it's just gone. Or it's water. To use a, a metaphor that would uh, fit in with the way you seem to be talking about it. More? You have one? Yeah, from uh, Anna Maria out in uh, Brooklyn, New York. She asks, um, you said we'd feel even more if there's no one there to feel. How does ego diminish the full capacity of emotions? Because it's fighting with everything. That's a good question, because the self-centeredness wants things to be different. So that's why we uh, have passion, aggression, and ignorance. We, have, we get aggressive. You notice if you're really blaming someone else, 
through passion and aggression, you're blaming someone, you might not feel real great, but you're probably going to feel uh, some of the energy gets to go into that rather than the energy that you're stuck with when you feel like crap and you, you're not blaming someone. It's just a way of talking about it. it it's, there, there's so many different uh, subtle overlaps and underlaps and l layers and laminations, and as uh, it says in the sutras, uh, tributary streams flowing in the darkness. There's so many little tiny pieces and parts to everything that make up this situation that is fundamentally not separate, that we get magnetized by. We get magnetized into uh, red is different than blue, light is different than uh, darkness. We get magnetized into that. This gentleman right here. So even feeling overwhelmed, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just observe and do nothing. Um, do, do you eventually become comfortable with overwhelmed and it no longer is overwhelmed? So I don't know if comfortable would be, it'd be like you know, being comfortable with a buzzsaw or something. <laughs> Probably not going to happen. But on the other hand, the, the warfare that creates more suffering or more overwhelm starts to die down. You have, you ha we have to deal with the causes and conditions that arise uh, as our, our life. Just like you're you're here, and we have uh, we have to um, feed, have to eat, and we have to uh, take care of ourselves, the bodily functions, and we we get and so on. So the, the relative situation is going on, and as far as uh, some kind of overwhelm overwhelm happening, it might be some kind of relative situation that's right there, you know, in our in our living room or at our at our job or in our immediate environment. But the emotion situation, that situation is probably triggering something that has been stuffed or stored. In our tradition, we call it the Aliyah Vijnana, or the storehouse consciousness. So, hard to say for sure. But uh, uh, the, it's, it's so complicated that, that to try to go into it with some kind of a sorting out, figuring out mentality would just be uh, circular. It looked like a straight line. This is why psychologists, psychiatrists, and all that operate in that way. And it's not that they're not uh, helping, but it's a, it's a relative kind of help. And it might, going to a, you know, to a, a psychologist, a therapist or something, uh, maybe all you need to do. It depends on your particular situation. So, yes, sir? Is the way you interpret a situation, is that already uh, thinking too deep about it? So... The way I talk about it is, if you know that you're interpreting, then you don't have to do anything else. You don't have to stop interpreting. You don't. If you know you're blaming, you don't actually have to stop blaming because if you see that you're doing it, it starts to lose its energy uh, because it it's, uh, it fuels, it gets its fuel from the warfare part of it, the stress and the, the negativity that we dump onto it. So this is why meditation practices. Helps us uh, live our life in a more uplifted and sane uh, way. It can. It's, there's no guarantee of anything. I, I know people who have meditated much longer than I have, and they're crazy as loons. Are loons crazy? <laughs> oh, bed bugs. You're crazy as bed bugs. They're not really crazy either, though. They got it going. They're in bed all the time. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm serious. I, I know people who have practiced lots and lots of uh, practice. And I don't know whether what happens, but they they uh, function uh, in a crazy way. So there's no guarantee. 
but uh, yes. You said if you see it, then you don't need to do anything about it. If you don't see it, how can you do something about it? Can't. You're screwed. <laughs> Not you, because you see. Could, um, it would be helpful to do something about what you don't see, even if it's not doing anything with it. How can you see what you don't see? You can't see what you don't see. You only see what you see. And quite often what you see is what you think you see, rather than what you see. If you actually see what you see, then you're no longer seeing what you thought you saw. So then how can you see what you don't know that you don't see? Paraphrase that. How can you see what you don't see? Because you know you don't see it. And if you know you don't see it, then you must have seen what you didn't see, or you wouldn't know that you hadn't seen it. If <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're recommending, how can what? You, if that's what you're recommending, then how can you do that on the fly? Let's leave the flies out of this. <laughs> <laughs> if you were in a monk, I would pick on you. You got it coming. You asked for it. Okay, so give it to me. I just did. <laughs> I didn't see it. Did you see it? <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're vying for who's going to be the straight man. <laughs> Further questions? One more question, if there is one. <clears throat> Shut up. Make it easy, Shoto. Don't get me all wound up in your thoughts. Go ahead. You said that you've known people that have meditated for long times and they're yeah. crazy as loons. Yeah. Bed bugs. Bed bugs. <laughs> um, can we catch ourselves if we're falling? If you're what? Can we see if we're falling into that same... I, th I think it's so variable as that there's so much that we can't see. There's so much uh, causes and conditions and karma that's just difficult to see. Uh, just like look at look at your uh, look at your family or your mom and your dad and look at you know you might have a really strong connection with one of them or maybe even both of them or you might wonder how did I even get born to these guys? <laughs> you know, it's a really the causes and conditions that arise are really uh, complicated. So. In our situation as uh, meditators, one of the things you can do is you can actually sit down and find out who this is and what this is, and don't really worry too much about speculating on the causes and conditions that got you into this situation. So if you do that, if you're sincere with yourself and you're genuine, uh, and that genuineness, I don't mean uh, genuine living up to some kind of ideal of genuineness. I'm saying don't miss your life. If, if, uh, if there's kind of difficult things that are arising in your mind, don't cover them up with anything. With your ideas, opinions, um, train your mind. I don't know how else to say it. Yes? We practice in a way that reifies the part of us that is missing our lives. Well, you could. This is why we have a strong form. You could do it even with a strong. We have the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the three jewels. The, the teaching, uh, the person who was uh, uh, sane, 
or not at war with anything, which is a uh, way way to talk about sanity. And the teaching that he taught, everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as a, a singularity or an identity or a person or an other. And the community, which is, this is a community for as long as it's here, um, other other people who are practicing also. So use that form. <clears throat> I'm not saying there aren't other, like I mentioned before, I'm not saying there aren't other ways, but I don't know, maybe on Arcturus. Or probably in the probably in the rainforest. There's probably somebody down there who knows stuff. That's where the tree with its leaves underground and its roots in the sky. You heard about that, right? No? Thank you so much. Stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our Red Champ books. <coughs> I'd just like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the back, uh, in the hallways. Also, this Saturday is our all day, so if you can be present to sit with us from nine in the morning to nine at night, we welcome you. Penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Friends and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. 